There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. And Boxhead, you were right about the massacre at Mudgee, but unfortunately, it went the opposite way. Yeah, Titans are rubbish. 100%. So, we left at half time, so I only saw half the massacre. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't see that performance coming. So No, extremely disappointing. And even as a neutral, when we went up there, was hoping it was going to be a good game. Yeah. Um, well, like, we, we were going up there... To see our nan, so... Yeah, grandparents, weekend It was still away. good, still good to get away, but um, the game was shit. The Titans were shit. No other word for it. That's what that's what it's like being a Titans fan. They bring you up to let you down. There was a bit of fun, though, on social media. Oh, yeah. Everyone it was all... Oh, well, I hope everyone took it as tongue-in-cheek. Because... Yeah. Well, if anyone hasn't figured out sarcasm over the, the few years now, they're sadly mistaken. I read one or two myself and thought, I think people but look, the, think you're uh, being a little bit serious. But... Yeah, people people took offence. And if you took offence, and that's a you problem, not a me problem. The long-running battle will continue with Manly fans. I love it. Oh, look, the Manly fans we sat with, I thought were good. They were good. The guy next to me was really good on the that's weekend. Fine, man. So I sort of got a bit lippy at one point when we got penalised for... Well, they got penalised for... Um, an escort, which was a clear escort, and the bloke. Oh, it's asshole! So I fucking yeah, snapped. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just dickhead fans that see through one eye. I'm pretty good. Like I mainly were, mainly were far better. Titans yeah. were fucking disgraceful. Hundred <clears throat> percent. There was no uh, no excuse. There was no uh, foul play via referee. I thought the refereeing was ordinary. What's the bloke's name that refereed that game? I, no, I can't just remember. plays his visual too much. I, I thought the refereeing actually inhibited Manly belting the fuck out of us more than what probably, probably. they did. I agree. So I, I thought the refereeing was ordinary, but I, I thought it impacted Manly probably more than the Gold Coast. I will say one thing. It, it would have been 50 if that game was allowed to flow because the Titans had zero energy. I highly doubt there's like a lot of Manly fans in Mudgee, but they travelled well. Like they for, did travel well. For what happens in Sydney where the general joke is they won't cross the spit bridge or they won't leave home or they won't go anywhere. Like, Mudgee's also a very nice place for a weekend getaway, so I guess yeah. it's twofold like we did. You go out and enjoy the food, the local beverages and the whole thing up there, wineries, breweries, etc., which is definitely not what it was when we were kids going out and visiting our grandparents. But, man, there was a lot more people than I expected uh, from a manly perspective. I obviously thought we'd see no Titans a bit similar when I go to Melbourne games up in Sydney. Like, there's... Usually the supporter group or a few fans, but uh, it was a sea of right? They were out in force. Mm. So, good atmosphere, but not a great result. But let's jump in, do our set of six as we do every week. Topics, discussions, opinions, any news or stories that we want to talk about and tackle one. I guess we start off with 
just the disparity from the weekend, which has been a big talking point the last few days in the judiciary, the charges and what's happened over the weekend. And obviously, people have had a lot to say and differing opinions, but you've got a situation where a tackle like Momorowski's wide just before we've gone on air here wasn't even picked up for a penalty, I don't think, in that game when I was a night shift no, the next day. Uh, he's now got three weeks, 300 points. has been found guilty of a grade two. I didn't think it was... And he had no prize. A grade two. I don't know about his former record. You've got Radley in right now, still no decision. You've got Latrell, who night of again, as far as penalty or sin bins, as compared to Momorowski getting nothing, as compared to Radley getting 10 in the bin, as compared to Hetherington getting sent off and... Again, a vary of charges, refereeing disparity. It's just across the board, refereeing is one thing. And we already know that. We spoke about this before. Others are more picky in the ruck. Others were willing to make those calls. Others are harsher with their penalties, the 10 metres they hold. There's lots of just inconsistency in between referees. But the differences in charges and how they've come up to me are ridiculous. I really don't know how some of these have been graded differently or as harsh as one another. Uh, and then just the arguments for some players and defense of some people. And a lot said that the Hetherington one wasn't a send-off or, like, you know, your record shouldn't hinder you. Well, unfortunately, your record does. I, I don't agree, when, as we've spoken before, about carryover or loading or holding points. Like, you should, to me, it should go off as you get through games. But at the same time, if you're a bloke who's been charged six times in 29 games, it's going to be pretty hard to ever get to a point where, even if you had a way to deduct loading, Points would go away. Yeah, you watch him play, and you just, it's a matter. It's just a matter, a matter of, of time, time before he gets charged. Yeah. yeah, and I said it last year. Every four or five games, he just seems to have a snap. Yeah. His biggest hurdle right now, forget all the bullshit and the paint people are putting on or him. poor him, is him fucking self. Mm. You got to sort that out. And no different to the argument for a lot of people now going, well, Latrell isn't a dirty player, or that's just a little moment. Or like, there's bits there where his temper gets the best of him. I'm not necessarily saying he's a dirty player, but he has to control his emotions. No, he's not a dirty player, but he's got he's he got loses concentration and. Gets distracted easily. Yeah, and gets emotional and bides mm. in. So yeah. but you don't get three charges in a game. But that comes with age. Yeah. I think he's young. He's still exactly. very young. But you don't get three charges by mistake. He's the learning. Yeah. The lash out with the boot. The arm was a bit lazy, like the grading of it. But again, if you've got priors and you consistently go in there and you don't control your emotions, which is, I think, the bigger issue, you end up in this situation. Um, but what's your thoughts? I, I thought the grading, after watching the Momorowski one, I know he gets in the head. They've said our reading here that he left his feet, which left it open. I thought he kind of hit the shoulder and then went up into the head. I can't believe that's three weeks. But to I, me, that's a week. Yeah, 300 points is a fair bit. The Radley one's a lazy arm. Because they're saying the, the charge for Hetherington was 300 points. The reason it got up was because of loading. Yeah, so they're saying essentially price. that they're saying that the Momorowski one is the same as the Hetherington one, which I disagree with. Mm. Uh, the Radley one's the still Radley one, I don't, I don't over right now. I don't know. It's been 20 minutes of been deliberating. There's still no update. It was a lazy arm. Same deal. He's probably got prize, but... He hit him on the chin. I think the thing that everyone's blowing up about is, well, Munster in the end, you know, bought, like, they all laid down. Or bought, like, it shouldn't matter, matter about, about the tackle. action. It's not the result of the yeah, tackle. it's about the tackle. It's not what went on after it. No. Where did he hit him and what was the intent is what they they need to look at. Yeah. He's wrong-footed him. He's stuck an arm out. I've got to be honest, I thought the Hetherington one is probably a grade two. I thought the Momorowski one is a grade one. And the the Radley one probably falls somewhere in between. I, in my head. I if I was going to rank them, I think Hetherington's was worse yeah. than Radley, than Momorowski. But Momorowski's going to get... He's got three weeks, well, is that right? Like you said did, he, did he go and... Uh, they went to fight it, so they went up with 300 points. So he's going to miss three games, the next three and games. And was found guilty. He's found guilty. Jesus. 
So 300 points. They were only seeking a downgrade, weren't they? I think they were going to fight it, but the grade two offence is upheld. He's received 300 penalty points. So. Well. Yeah, and I think they had... Where is it here? There was a bit kind of saying... They said that while he was within his right to put pressure on the Broncos kicker, his highly careless nature led to quite forceful contact and warranted a higher grading. And launching himself at a speed, he lost some control, heightening the risk of injury. His lawyer, Nick Kabar, said the contact was marginally late at best, denying it was highly careless. Uh, this is an attempt of a wrapping tackle and not an arm being held out in a coat Which is style. true, yeah. Momorowski was not present. Uh, he was there by photo link. And again, watching it today, like he cracked him, but again... The technique, yeah, it's gone a little bit wrong, but I thought he kind of hit the shoulder, went up, and he's sort of got him on the angle, but compared to like a straight-up stiff yeah, arm or right. a shoulder and the mallet, like, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't and again, know. I don't know his record, but I don't think he's been there he prior. I wouldn't think he has a record. So I you, can't believe that's three weeks for a first offence. Yeah, I just think three weeks for that in general was pretty... And to not even get a penalty in the game, like, again, that goes back to another point we spoke about before. What the fuck's the bunker doing? Mm. If the bunker's watching all these things and can intervene or tip off a referee about something that's happened, well, where are we on that one? Yeah. Uh, it's just... I don't know. But I think the bigger thing for me in the end is more what we just spoke about. The gradings in the end when it gets to the judiciary to me just saying a yo-yo. Like, it's an absolute gamble as to how it gets graded. Yeah. Loading and all these things are an argument we can have for another day. We've already went over it before that carryover points are bullshit, especially when they happen in round one and they're still sitting over your head over a final series. There has to be some way to get carryover points taken down because at a stage where it's a week which could turn into two weeks during finals because of carryover etc and you've gone 20 something games in a high contact sport where something's bound to go wrong at some stage I don't think carryover points should just sit there forever whether we spoke about before it's a five points per week if say you've got 90 carryover points so if you go the whole year and get yeah. to the finals and you've gone 20 games you're back to zero yeah. so at least if you get a charge you can go and fight a grade one or you might take a week and miss a semi-final or if it's an origin like you know there's got to be some way like you can't just sit carryover points there the whole time prize is a different story and loading which I agree with which again similar deal if you go a certain amount of time of that offence loading and all that will come down but that side of things I don't have a big problem with if you can't keep yourself disciplined enough then you keep getting repetitive charges and get yourself back there to me you're your own worst enemy that, yeah. that's controllable by the player but the loading, uh, sorry, the carryover points, just holding is the big one for me that needs to be addressed. Because guys are missing football at critical stages for things they've done a while back or 12 weeks ago or 10 weeks ago, and it just shouldn't linger for as long as it does, and especially getting in to the point end of the season. But uh, still waiting live now, as we said, to find out about some of these charges. But the Radley one has been deliberated on for ages now. I've been clicking on the updated thing here and the review, and it's the last update was 8.50 saying that they've given their instructions, submissions from both lawyers, and they're now deliberating. It's almost now 9.20. So yeah, 30 minutes seems a long time for a result for that tackle. And Latrell still hasn't been in yet for his multiple charges, which I think I think the main thing, were they going for a downgrade or Michaelis? I don't even know. Yeah, but but there you go. I'll try not to follow up. That's Because uh... it's a lottery. It becomes it's a court case. It becomes how well you can argue and prove that you're, you know, you're guilty or you're not guilty. It it doesn't really become about rugby league as much about a good argument and a good lawyer. Mm. Yeah, tackle two. We sort of went over it before. Was mudgy. Good weekend. Was good. Shit game. Mm. Rubbish game. Plain and simple. 
not if you're a Manly fan, you obviously just take with the result. But pub was good. Friday night was good. The Woolpack was nice. Mm. Got a good feed and some beers and lobbed up for the two Friday just night games. Just one thing, Woolpack. Why, who the fuck puts mushroom in their fried rice? <laughs> you said that as soon as it came out. They do... I hate mushrooms. They did Chinese fusion, which I found weird. When it's a pub, I kind of thought there was going to be pub food, but they had a Chinese restaurant there and a few Aussie. So I've gone nice and plain, spring rolls and fried rice. And I got a schnitzel because I'm allergic to peanuts, so we avoided the old Chinese food. Anyway. Beers were good. Atmosphere was good. It's great, yeah. Big screen, etc. And then we rolled over the Orient at the end, which was got a bit weird. Everyone was 40 or 50 plus, and they got the club tunes banging at about 11 p.m. So we had one beer, looked around and thought, all right. I'm out. This is a... This is a bit, bit off camera for us. Yeah. So we're like, mate, we're here for the beer and for the Turn betting. the fucking music down. I want to watch sport. Mate, look, I'm watching races at 11 o'clock at night trying to find a fucking winner and you've got Dizzy Rascal bonkers playing in Mudgy. Yeah. Dizzy Rascal does not belong yeah. playing in And no in one with a receding pub. hairline should be dancing to bonkers. Nah. And everyone with a receding hairline And even more so, like I said, the crowd by that time wasn't young either. No, that's what I'm saying. It's 50 plus. We're the youngest blokes in there. We, we don't exactly look young, but yeah. Mm. And you yeah. can't get an Uber up there, unfortunately. So we had the long, fresh night trek. That was yep. good. 1.3K. Nice and fresh. Walk it off, though. Good before you get to bed. Shake it off. Shake it off. But nah, Mudgy, great time for anyone if you were up there. I hope you enjoyed the weekend. Plenty of good places. The Butcher Cafe was a good time as well. Yeah. And the lazy fucking bus drivers at half time that wouldn't drive us back. <laughs> Yeah, it's only downside to Glen Willow. There's like an off road. Oh, and if like there's a, a bus full of people, we'll drive. I'm like, you're not fucking seeing everyone leaving, mate. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Drive. Even Manly fans bail out job. all the time thinking I'm going to get first seat back at the pub because I'm there for, for the weekend. So, but uh, yeah, tackle too. For anyone that did go up there, there was a few messages. Someone also, I can't remember who it was, someone put up there, thought we'd be on the hill. We're a man of the people. We bought tickets six months ago. Yeah. Or when they first came out in the grandstand, just in anticipation that if we're going to go there. We'd, you know, be up in the shade and get a good view of the game. We went last time, when was that? Dragons Nights a couple of years ago. We went up to visit and that happened to be on. Yeah. And we stood on the hill, which was fine. But at that ground when it's loaded and you don't get a good spot and everyone's packed in there, it was great view from the grandstand. We got corker. Yeah. Dead centre where we were, basically, just off to the side of the camera. So you can't always be a man of the people. You want to be a man of the people, come see us on Penrith Beer Hill. We're basically there every home game. Yeah. I am there every That's home within... Our homeland. I roof. won't be. Uh, I won't be there this Thursday though. Uh, I think I'm working, so I might miss this one. Oh, as well. But we've been to the first. There's been three. I've, games I've been to every game, yeah, so far. I've been to everyone as well so far, and I'm not even a Penrith fan. But Beer Hill, if you want to find us, to be a man of the people, man. It's a good time in the riff. Yeah. Tackle three. Uh, the Storm Roosters game in particular, one that had a lot of people blowing up. In particular, the media, as they basically hate Melbourne. So let's go there. Uh, the controversies. One thing for me. Everyone's freaking out immediately, saying Melbourne's found a loophole in the substitutions. Like That's a crock of shit. Everyone does that every week. You guys did it on the weekend. It's not just concussions. It's foul play. Mm-hmm. When someone's fouled, when it's reported, when it's penalised, if someone's injured as a result of that, not just a HIA or foul play or whatever, you get it for any change for foul play. Yeah, It's been happening before the rule. So if you haven't picked up on that now, like the, the blow up about that the last few days has just blown my mind. And then no one's pointed out over the weekend, like I said, that the Titans used it, the Cowboys used it, others have used it. It was used in another game that someone brought up as well. So that's nothing new. But again, let's make sure we highlight Melbourne, as they do. Uh, The thing with the Harry Grant situation, they've compared it to Lachlan Lewis in the sense of the on-field test was done. The doctor cleared that. He was passed, but in the same time, they looked at the Lachlan Lewis one and said he was clearly concussed and the symptoms. 
I don't know what you want done there. If he's passed on field and the doctor, they go back to the doctor and tell him he's all right, then he reviews the footage and they get him a couple of minutes later, well, I don't know what you want. In the time, did he look like he caught one in the head? Yep. Was he down for a moment? Yep. Did he get back up? He probably should have gone off. But if if they do their initial test or that's the protocol they've got and then the doctor reviews it and takes him a couple of minutes later, well, again, it's something that happens most weeks. Not all HIs or all head knocks are pulled up immediately. He seemed in pretty good nick to me with the way he coordinated himself, scored the try and identified what he was doing in his job. But I'm just more talking about the parameters around the protocol and what they do and on-field. Like, if you want the fact to well, go... Well, no team, no team is doing it the same. No, but if you want to go against the on-field call where someone says, well, he passed the on-field tech, like, it should just be, as soon as you see someone get down with the head knock, take all of them off. Because it's not the that's first what, time. That's what it's going to get to. And it's not the last time. Again, just taken away from pointing the finger at one club where someone's passed the on-field test and then has been taken off five minutes later or six minutes later or however long it's taken. Mm. Um, the NRL's looking into it. They're possibly going to get a fine like the Bulldogs. They should get a fine. But and for, for the monster one, they should get a fine. And whoever else is... is um, what, for the interchange or for... No, for the fact that he, he went down he looked like he was knocked out. Even if he dived, I don't care. Like, Does that mean that every player that's concussed can say I dived? And it's only come out now that he that he said it, he may or may not have dived and milked the penalty, oh, which is fine. He said it straight away. Yeah, but everyone that then cops a head knock can just say, well, I milked it to get a penalty, even if... Like, how do you know? It's not a broken arm. It's not a cut on your arm. You don't, no. you don't know, right? The fact of the matter is he ticked the boxes for what you would say is a sign of a concussion or a head knock. And if that's the case, he should have left the field and had the test. Can't leave the field and then come straight back on. That's where I have the issue, and they they use the, that interchange to their advantage. So yeah, in my book, reported. they should have then just said, "Well, he hasn't had a HIA. That's an interchange," and ta- and charge him an interchange. That's what they should have done. Yeah, because it was foul play, which is what we spoke about, which is a rule prior to this. This it wasn't because of the head knock, because it was reported. You really get a free interchange. That's been in the game before the. the yeah, that's that's not my. Yeah, okay. No, that's yeah, the point that I'm case, making for yeah, people right. that are going. They found a loophole. They haven't found it's a loophole. It's not a loophole. Foul play, and that has existed the whole time. But he shouldn't have been the one going back on the field. Yeah, well, that's the he way. Should have went and got a test. Change has always worked, unfortunately. But I think yeah, that was one thing I found surprising. A lot of no, people no, were, that's not right. The free interchange is just the free interchange. Yeah, and that's what I mean. People blowing up about that, and they found a loophole. I'm saying that's been that was in before. That's not anything to do with the new yeah. concussion protocols or whatnot. If foul play, no, but we're moving away from the point. The point is that he had signs of concussion. Yeah, he laid down, so and he should he, have had HIA. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you there. And the fact that he's admitted that he dived, I'm pretty disappointed with as well. But the other ones, like the Harry Grant one, I'm more saying across the board, you see different examples all the time. And how do we know we're right? I think the doctors nine times out of ten probably would want to take the player off in most cases just to avoid any long-term drama, which is a big part, which everyone said for years, and Phil Good's classic line we had, that I'll lawyers tell you, we and doctors one, all We had one tonight where we did a contact drill, and then 10 minutes later, one of the boys come over and said, oh, look, I've had a really sharp headache come on. Yeah, it's just hit him suddenly. No, but is that is the headache because of the contact drill, yeah, or is the headache... Did you head. cop a bump? No, I didn't. No, well, there you go. Okay, so is the, is the headache... A delayed result of, of the contact is the headache because he hasn't had enough water. Is a headache because he hasn't eaten enough? Is a headache because he's got a stiff neck? Is it like but how long's a piece of string? Also, so, to the same point, surely at some point in your career, and I've had it as well, you've copped a shoulder or hit heads. It's not necessarily always a concussion. I've I had like, a real. I had one really bad concussion in my whole career. Yeah, I've had one terrible one where I was thrown on my head and landing like. No, know. but I mean, 
I was throwing up. Yeah. I, I had to be you in the dark room. Multiple days, etc. Yeah. Headaches. I had once, same deal. Other than that, though, I've had times where similar to Harry Grant, immediately everyone goes, what's concussion? I've copped him like a massive head clash, but like in the jaw or in the face, like something like that hurts, you go down. Yeah. Just because you're down doesn't necessarily mean it's concussion. And again, I'm, I'm not a fucking doctor. I was a dumb middle forward. But getting hit in the head necessarily where it is or where the contact is doesn't automatically mean every time it's a concussion or yeah. a head trauma. You can get hit in the jaw, side of the face. Like, you, there's multiple different ways where you, you hit the deck. We can't always just straight away draw that bow and go concussion, concussion, concussion. But yeah, um, some people weren't happy. About it. The more the one that got me was the interchange one. If people didn't know that rule prior, like, that's been around for years. Yeah. That had nothing to do with the concussion side of things, which is more what surprised me that that was the thing that was piggybacked off of, that they've already found a loophole with the concussion rules. As far as what you said, I 100% agree. You shouldn't have That's only an issue. I, I I, I'm fine. I'm, I'm agree with you 100% there. The Papineau is the one on the night. We sort of disagreed. You thought he was out cold. It's turned out today. I said AC joint. It is AC joint. He's going to miss four weeks. So, again, the contact looked partly head, but also the shoulder. But the way he went down, I can understand what why you thought that way. Yeah. I think he copped a bit of a knock in the face or the head as well. But it's turned out he got needled. He came back on and he's potentially going to miss a month now. But he was snoring. I don't think he was snoring. Like he busted. He was out cold. He was laying down with his arm, and he got up with his arm. So his eyes were closed for, and he was out cold. In my opinion, he he should have come off and not been. I think it was a combination of both. But I I don't think he should have gone back on the field. So I think they got two wrong. He's missing time now with that shoulder, but yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, it's not. It's not about that. It's about what. What are the rules around what is what is a concussion or signs of concussion where you have to come off the field? Because the, the Munster one and the Pappenhausen one, to me, were both... Munster's one is definitely a test. Pappenhausen's one is definitely... What about Harry Grant's one? Because that's you're the not going back most on. people. Saying that he shouldn't have been on the field. Well, whose decision? That one, that one, to me, is where you, go, you need to trust the doctor. Because hmm. he, he went down temporarily, held his face like, oh, that hurt. But was it a head knock? Yeah, was it more to the jaw? Like, like, did he get a poke in the eye? Like, what? The, the other two, to me, were clear. And I've watched a lot of footy that they were that to me they were they were clear. Munster should have had a uh, test. Pappenhausen should not have returned to the field, in my opinion. Anyway, it's not an any Melbourne thing. I'm just saying. No, it's I'm not. Fuck, not like, I'm just, you. I just thought I said to you at the time. Telling I, you what I what I, I think thought he copped you a bump, and but what I thought I've it seen. was more his shoulder. Which when they confirmed that today, I was like, all right. Well, yeah. I'm not saying he didn't get a head knock, but I didn't think to your point that he was sleeping. I thought he's laid down for both because he's obviously. Yeah. Cop the double whammy, but yeah. All right, three down, on to four. One team remains undefeated, one still winless. Panthers or the Dogs? Who's going to win first and who's going to lose first? And looking at what's upcoming for the Bulldogs, that was a very good chance on the weekend. Obviously, they didn't play out. They've got Cronulla, the Dragons, the Raiders, the Titans, the Panthers upcoming. I, honestly, the way they're going at the moment, the amount of changes, another suspension now couple more injuries. It, it's hard to see him winning a game up until origin time where they may get somebody who's origin affected and they possibly have no one. But at the same time, they might have one or two that are in contention. Mm. Um, I don't really see Kotrick being in contention as he probably would have been if he was still at Canberra playing the way he was. Allen, if uh, the Queenslanders have got troops back on deck, obviously had a lot of injuries last year and he's not playing the same kind of form. Probably not in contention. Probably can't see anyone who's a real ring in. Napa's definitely not in the form anywhere near what he was a year or two ago, a couple of years ago to be a walk-up start. So, honestly, I can't see a win on the horizon. It's a tough question. Yeah. I, 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 like, I'm in the Bulldog system, so I know how many injuries we've got. 
I'm at the bottom of it, actually. <laughs> like, well, this week now, Hetherington's obviously suspended. Jackson Tapine's now going to miss a couple of weeks, and I think there may have been one or two others that are under a cloud. So, again, you've instantly got a strain on what already is a lighter side and a low on confidence, and obviously the results aren't going how they want it to. On the Panthers side of things, they've covered up for Appy, Coruscant, Edwards. Well, unfortunately, Penrith, or well, unfortunately for Bulldogs, they're in a losing slump. Like they, At the moment, they don't know how to win. No. Penrith don't know how to lose. And we saw that in the weekend. Brisbane threw the absolute kitchen sink. Penrith probably weren't at their best and full credit to the Broncos, but the Panthers, when you're winning, you just find a way. Yeah. And they did it again, even if you watched the game and thought, well, they charmed in the middle, they isolated, their plan was great, et cetera, et cetera, tick all the boxes. When it come to crunch time, the quality rose to the top. They kicked the two-point field goal. They found a try. Yeah, but that's that's the best I've seen Brisbane play since oh, pre-COVID. Long time. But Brisbane were excellent. I guess similar deal for Penrith. No one would have expected that result. The line was huge. Uh, that's one they, they got away with, but upcoming Newcastle Thursday night. Manly after that, if they keep showing decent form, Sharks, Titans. Like, for most people, everyone's pointing to their clash against South just before the origin period. But it's still going to be hard to go the next four or five weeks and keep winning. There's going to be someone throw up a challenge or they might have another game like this or the Momorowski situation. They might get injuries. I don't know. But on the horizon of what's ahead there, Newcastle, Manly, Sharks, Titans, you'd say that on their best day or you play those games 10 times, Penrith's going to win. Probably nine times out of 10 against all those guys. Yeah. The first real big one, you could probably sit there and go, this is a good chance is against South, depending on where they're at, form-wise, injury, etc. Yeah. But uh, the two ends of the spectrum, and obviously, much like other years, and we spoke about before the season, even that multi we put in, I still think there's a clear difference between those top few sides and Penrith, obviously. The Storm, even with injuries and guys missing, still winning games. South have been ticking along. Eels, they dropped the ball last week, come back with a good win again this week. There's a clear difference between a few of those sides. And even your Roosters, with all their injuries, are still, as I said a few weeks ago, they're not missing the eight. They're still better than the majority of the competition, nine or ten of those teams. I still say being in that end. They probably don't compete for a title, but the top four or five are far and clear above everybody else. And as nice as it's been to see the Dragons have a bit of a surge and the Warriors covering up for a bunch of losses and injuries and having to be overseas again, it's hard to see it lasting over 25 rounds yeah. and into finals. But, yeah. Uh, signings for tackle five and player movement, it's really ramping up. And in particular, the halves merry-go-round. But today, you've got the situation where the Brisbane Broncos signed Danny Levi for the rest of the year, obviously adding to their hooking stock. So... Let McCulloch go. You've got mm-hmm. Turpin there. They're not using Pakes. They've got a young guy, Kobe Hetherington, they're not using. So, started off in Cup. Gets an opportunity. They obviously got the deal done for Riki a few weeks ago. Piakura, who was supposed to go to the Bulldogs, they end up having to pay up a fair bit, but they got him to stay on board. Their talk, Carmichael Hunt was coming back in. I think that's a training trial deal, so he's not going to be playing for the next few weeks. The Xavier Coates, they've upped their offer to $1.7 million over three years now to try and thwart off other competition. Stags are at four years, $2.8 million, trying to keep him there. That's no lock as of yet. Dearden, no idea what's going on. But speaking of Dearden, they're thinking it's a lot more likely now he ends up at the Cowboys. Two years, a million dollars. And going to the Cowboys now off some of those news and signings that we spoke about, the Cowboys today, it's almost all but confirmed now that Chad Townsend who had a player option for next year for the Sharks, has been offered a deal to go to North Queensland and turn down that player option. Three years, $2 million, so about six fifty a season. Um, 
I think they said he was going to have a meeting or chat to Craig Fitzgibbon to see his thoughts, but more than likely with the three years in the offer, it's on the table. The Cowboys have put their hat in the ring now for Tom Deard and Chad Townsend to potentially be their halves for next year, which then has another domino effect with Scott Drinkwater, who's off contract right now. Mm. And apparently they're interested. The Broncos have been interested multiple teams, but no one's really got a solid offer on the table. But you think if you're the Cowboys and you're going to outlay 650 and 500 like for a couple of steady halves to control your team and get you around the park and defend well, you're probably not going to be paying Scott Drinkwater as well. No, well, especially when you're playing... Yeah, exactly. So that's what really, I was about to say. Yeah, you don't have the option. Especially when you're playing at homes. And if you're paying 500000 each season for a kid and six fifty for someone else, Drinkwater's not really going to be in your pipeline, then, is he? No. So, but the halves in particular is where the real roundabout goes. And then we see Jackson Hastings say yesterday, don't believe what you read. He's signed with the Tigers there, so I don't know why he bothered denying it when it was going to be announced for the next 24 hours, but... Him going there has immediately got people talking that Brooks would be on the outer. They've already got on the front foot and saying that's not going to be the case. They're talking that he'll play a Connor Watson 13-style role because he's a bigger body and an extra ball player, but Can't see he's it. on another podcast a week ago saying that he sees himself as a half and that's what he wants to play before he came over here, so who knows. That, he's that, a half. He's been a half. He's always a always half. He's going to be a half. And he's played a little bit of fullback as it's well. It's just to put some water on the Brooks situation. God knows what happens there, but there's a lot to play out. Um and as if you're going to project now who's going to be playing where next year. Nah. Come on. All this has obviously had a knock-on effect talking about more of these guys with the Cronulla situation. So if Chad Johnson... Oh, sorry. Chad Johnson. I'm going to NFL here. Ocho Cinco. If Chad goes to North Queensland and you're Craig Fitzgibbon coming in, does Reynolds come on your radar? Definitely. Or Definitely. Johnson, depending on what he's looking like, for. And Whoever Moylan. can get Reynolds is going to be absolutely laughing. Can you get Moylan and... Johnson on money is I don't want, I don't that want the way Moylan. he wants to I go? I don't think you want Moylan. But this is what I mean. There's a whole knock-on effect. And then Moylan was brought there to play 5-8. For Brisbane in this situation. If, no. If you're, Moylan? No, I'm saying if you're in a situation, if you're Brisbane and Dearden does move on and you let go of Milford, who no one's had any link to yet or what the situation is going to be there, the only recognised half you realistically left over with is Brodie Croft. So on this merry-go-round, if they can't get a Reynolds and they can't keep Dearden and say a Johnson or a Moylan or a couple of these guys are available, like they might be left with nothing. Do they take a roll of the dice on Ash Taylor coming home, who, again, on your side of things is off contract right now? Is that somewhere he can that go, they look at? He can go wherever If the wants. Gold Coast don't want Ash Taylor, they've got Fogarty for one more year. Are they putting their faith in Tanner Boyd or Toby Sexton, the two Australian schoolboys they've signed, or are they going to go to the market? They can do any worse than the two hours on the weekend. Hmm. And that's the point. Do they go to market as well? There's a whole... Go to market. Domino effect here for a lot of guys. In the end, you get paid based on what you do. Reynolds would be close to the top option you'd consider for most, but by the sounds of it, he doesn't want to leave Sydney. So I don't see him being an option, which is why I think the Cowboys may have already made this move for Chad Townsend. Why isn't Reynolds an option at the Dogs? At the Dogs or Burton, and they just paid Flanagan. So unless they can Flanagan again like the Roosters did with the poor ones. Burton at fullback or like... You can never have well, They paid Alan players. half a million dollars to play fullback, and he's not playing fullback. Mm. And I'm just saying, I, like, I, just look at, as well, so. I look at him and go, like, he's that's exactly what the Bulldogs need a goal kicker, a kicking game, a general, a leader. They need they need someone like Adam Reynolds. Mm. But this half cycle, as we talk about, is just going to continue, in particular between Souths, the Gold Coast, the Sharks, the Cowboys, and the Broncos, the main ones with some of these names we've just mentioned. Reynolds has been a name tossed up to almost every one of these clubs, but it seems more than likely he's not going to be heading north. So the best option in Sydney Tigers. right now, that one option that's still on the table, 
is the deal from South for one year if he did come back to that with a club option for the second year. If not, Cronulla obviously would be an option right now. You throw the Tigers up, but I guess if they've already signed Hastings, Dewey's still got time to go. You know, they've kind of got three guys on big money there. I don't think they could probably stump up the sort of cash, but um, Johnson, again, what happens there where he ends up? Is he an option for Brisbane or anyone else? If South move on from Reynolds, do they give Benji an extra year or do they jump straight into the three kids that they've just signed? Mazoulis is a hooker. He's not going to play for a few years, but he's obviously their succession plan to cook, but Lachlan Ilias, they've signed to 2024. Blake Taft, they've signed to 2023. And they've made it clear their priority is to sign Cody Walker next year when he comes off contract. So would you think for them that Reynolds moves on if they could keep Benji on the cheap, that they could plug him in? Would they go straight to Ilias? Like, this this half cycle is crazy. They should be doing everything they can to keep Reynolds, in my but opinion. The only thing that seems somewhat sorted right because now... Because you're, you're dealing with guys that are unproven. Benji's at the back end of his career... He's not a week-to-week starter. He's a good backup. He's good in the position he's in now. Cody Walker cannot run a side around, cannot control a side, cannot steer a side. You need a steering wheel. Reynolds is their steering wheel. Cook's not a steering wheel. It'd be a huge error, in in my opinion, to get rid of Adam Reynolds if you're South. Mm-hmm. I'm just paying what he's asking. Well, again, they can't. They've made the best offer they yeah, can. Yeah, bullshit. Give Move someone yeah. around, it can be done. It's well, been proven. I get that, but... Not get it done. It's hard when you've extended everyone in if, the last 12 months. If he's going somewhere else, everyone who needs a seven... Well, who, who, who are you moving on? Because they already can't keep South. Sewer and a few others whoever, they want to keep right whoever. now. Whoever. Clubs move players on all I the know, time. but they've top-ended with a lot Work of guys. It out. It, people, they don't want to lose that. So they're prioritising Arrow and all the guys they've signed up, Murray's, Cooks, etc., Latrell... All these extensions have added up. You can't just find money out of nowhere. We can. They can't really even. Can. Re- yeah, but they can't sign can Sewer and other guys. Don't tell me right that now. contracts mean anything. I know they that, don't. But as far as top end money, they've made commitments. That's their decision. You're asking me something that they, they they'll know. This is That's my point. Though. They're all recent though. They're not. There's they're not anyone really bullshit. there. They're sitting there going, "Oh, in the last twelve months, we're going to move him on." They they've moved made, on Burgess. They moved on Inglis. Yeah, retirement in brackets. Inglis is now playing elsewhere. Yeah, Burgess well, trying go. to come back. I understand. Yeah. What I'm saying is all these deals are fresh younger guys who they've given big money into. So, Not all of them. Are. They've put 700. They don't have money there where they could move. Don't tell no. me they don't. But it's going to be very interesting where some of these guys end up. The one who seems a little bit sorted, but it's yet to come out. Looks like the Cowboys are pretty confident that they've got Townsend and it's looking more likely they've got Dearden on board. So if they're the first ones to fall in the puzzle, Reynolds is off the table for them. Brisbane, Titans have got the spot there with Taylor if they move on. Uh, Milford, what's he doing? The two guys at the Sharks, Johnson, Moylan, does Fitzgibbon want one of them? Does he want both of them? Does he prefer Tracy, who's naturally a six, Braden Trindle, who they had in their system? Where does Drinkwater... If I'm Fitzgibbon, I'm going to get Reynolds. Where does Drinkwater end up? There's lots of things at play here with a a domino move, and we're waiting for the first one to fall, but the half situation's crazy. Hmm. What would you want as a Titans fan? In the halves. Ash Taylor, if you've moved on from him, you've got Fogarty. I'm getting rid of... Fogarty was rubbish on the weekend. I know, but if he's got 12 months to go... Fogarty's a solid first grader, a good reserve grader. Sexton. Taylor to me is the same. Tanner Boyd. You need need an elite half. Exactly. So what I've just said there... I'd go and get Reynolds. Reynolds is the one you'd want. If he's not willing to move out of those other options, is there anyone you'd take? No. You wouldn't take Johnson for 500? No way. That's my point. No, but they're all going to end up somewhere. That's the thing. We know they're going to end up thing. somewhere. That's the thing. Do you really want to put Reynolds and Johnson side by side? I'm not saying Reynolds and Johnson. If you can't get Reynolds, say if he said I'm not yeah, going Yeah, but north. what I'm saying is the halves market falls off a cliff post-Reynolds, in my opinion. He's the only elite half there. 
So go and buy elite. Go and know what. Go and buy what you know can win a competition, and that's Reynolds. The rest of them, I can take them or leave them. You, you, you're playing Russian roulette. You might hit, it's battleship. Well, to finish off, two more signings, making moves for the Sharks for the rest of the year. Will Chambers signed for the rest of the season. Another one who's on board. Obviously moved on from Melbourne with a couple of years left. Went to Japanese rugby. Uh, back in the NRL. I don't know realistically right now if that was really a need for the Sharks. No, nah, I think he was past his best. Unless they're really off Dugan. Like they were saying earlier that Dugan didn't play on the weekend. Went and played the pokies and they're not happy about that. But Bash wasn't happy about it, Matt. They've got Ramian. It's just a bad look, Lewis. Tracy's been playing there. Like, you know. Tracy's been doing a good job there. I thought Tracy's been outstanding everywhere. He's mm-hmm. another one who's off contract who I think they need to get on board with. But the first domino to fall for them, similar deal. Uh so see for Talakai, who would have been sought out after the market. They've extended for two years. Mm. So first of many, I'm sure. They'll be sorting out, and apparently Craig Fitzgibbon is doing player interviews over the next week, trying to meet up with everyone individually or talk to them to start the plan for the future ahead. But the Roosters are happy about that? Don't know. Mm. But uh, I guess uh, <laughs> you just have to see what happens. And tackle six to finish off. The last one we've got here will be our power ranking. So let's jump in and do those. Brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. Don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at Penrith Solar are dedicated to providing Western Sydney's residents with the highest quality solar energy experience. And when it comes to tackling your electricity bills, the team at PSC will get you over the trial line, saving you thousands per year in energy bill costs. Give Jake and the crew a call today on 1820 2930 or visit www.penrithsolar.com.au for these power rankings. Boxhead, number one, still the pennies. Yeah. Still got the Panthers as well. Not their best, but again, they found a way to win. Number two. Rabbitohs. Yep, same deal. Not the, the greatest game for them, but same deal. Found a way to win under duress. Uh, number three. Eels. Well, I've got the Storm uh, after knocking off the Roosters and losing Pappenhausen obviously hurts, but seeing Grant after a run under his belt and then take control in the second half, very impressive. Yeah, number well, four. Eels, Eels beat Storm for me, so I've got Storm below Eels at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got Eels at full. Yep. Good win on the weekend. Bounce back, no Brown. Uh, I think right now that they are the clear, by far and away, million percent top four. The Eels. No, Panthers, Rabbits, Eels, Storm. Yeah, but they as are a the, whole. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. They're the four that I look at and go, right, okay. I, I can put the four of you in the eight confidently. Who is your five? Um... That's a good question. I've got I've got the Roosters. I've just stuck the Roosters there because... I've stuck with the Roosters. Everyone else that we're about to name pretty much lost on the weekend. And I just think they're the best of that losing bunch. And I know they've lost as well, but given the circumstances, and I'll bring it up again, blooded in a new half, no Kiri, no friend, no court. Like, they've taken out huge names and they've had duress, missed yeah. a couple of players this week. Jared, Toki, and a few guys barely looking like they're on board right now. Um... Walker will keep developing. Guys are doing their job. I just think, again, over the long run, they're going to be one of these guys that find a way to make the eight. Yeah. Um, and I still think they're better than most of those. So I've left them at five. The talk about Perinara is one we probably didn't bring up. That's exciting. I haven't really yeah. watched a whole lot of him in rugby union, but you don't make the All Blacks by chance. If there's a lot of things in rugby union that you know or respect, that is the one thing from our side of the fence is people that probably aren't as solid on union that you know is respectable. If you played for the All Blacks, you can clearly play. Yeah. 
Um, so TJ Perinara, if that situation pans out, very different to a Sonny Bill. It's a key position. That would excite me. Yeah, that definitely. is something that would be very interesting to see. So I know people would probably find a way to blow up in particular because it's the Roosters, but I, for one, would love to see it happen. Yeah, me too. Who's number six? Uh, of Dragons. Yeah, I've got the Dragons. So I think the Dragons, despite the fact they lost more, more of it was their own doing because mm. the Warriors gave them absolutely nothing. Yeah. They completed, some say they completed at 98%, made one error. Live on radio and a few other things, they said they didn't make an error. They completed 100%. If you completed 100% and even play the most basic, you give nothing to your opponent. And I think the only difference here was the Dragons, who still completed at high 80s, had a few critical errors, like the Dufty one where they let a try in. Yeah. Kerr dropped a few balls, but um, they've had some good wins again so far. They've knocked over a team like Parramatta. I didn't think they were terrible, that's for sure. But yeah. I just thought the Warriors, if you play that perfect, you're near impossible to beat. Yeah. Number seven. Uh, the Raiders. Got the Raiders as well. Disappointing. Um, some worrying yeah, signs there. They've lost two good sides. Yeah, I know that. But it's probably the way they've lost. Yeah. They've got towered up in the back end by both. Yeah, I think they were close in both games. They were, you know, the 60th minute. And more an attitude thing, I guess the big thing. They started to build that premiership run and last year more off their defense. That that attitude right now is not quite there. Yeah. Attack so early doors. And eight for now. Ah, uh, the Warriors. Yep, I've snuck them back in. The Titans, after getting pumped, have been pushed out. Yep, me too. Um, but those sort of injuries and that, again, like I said, being over here in, in that situation they're in again, I still think they're overachieving uh, with what's going on. And two more injuries again on the weekend. Hiku pops his shoulder five minutes in. They put a half out in the centres. Pompey, who was starting to really look confident and get some good form under his belt, now looks like he's out. This weekend, they've got Reese Walsh, the kid they just got from the Broncos, named in their extended squad. They named Jack Murchie out in the centres instead of the back row. I have a feeling that there'll be a reshuffle. Yeah, maybe. They've got Rocco Berry, who's also on the outside back there. But I think either him or Walsh may find themselves either on a wing or somewhere in that back line, a possible late reshuffle. I don't know. But they're very light on troops right now. Suspensions, but injuries, they've been hit early on. In more particular, it sucks when you make signings who you think are going to make a big difference to the team. Fanua, Blake, Aikens, etc. these kind of guys. And they're the ones that are getting injured in the first few games. It's uh, always disappointing, but there you go. Power rankings brought to you by the Penrose Solar Center. Again, if you're looking for a system, if you're looking to get the best, if you want quality, if you want long-term investment, someone who's not just going to put faulty crap and cheap stuff on your roof and never make contact with you again, they run through your bills, show you all the apps, the best way to maximize it, maintain it over a long point of time, and they don't just ditch you after that. It's an ongoing service with Penrose Solar. They're committed with you the whole way www.penrosola.com.au 1800 is the phone number. Reviews of the games from the weekend box said Panthers, Broncos. I was on night shift listening to this one and I watched a bit of it the morning after, but uh, you had a first-hand view. The best you said you've seen from the Broncos since, since the, the pre-COVID last year, period. Yeah. They, they, what were they? 2-0. Two, 2-0 two and oh. Two and oh, pre-COVID last year. They were excellent. The Broncos were... I thought their forwards probably out-muscled the Panthers. The difference was Nathan Cleary's kicking game. And just a couple of moments at the end, like that field goal was ridiculous. Uh, a couple of kicks he put in just really put the Broncos, you know, down in their own end and flipped the field. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great 
great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Panthers were, you know, they weren't ordinary, but they weren't, certainly weren't at their best, but they managed to win. And they managed to win because, you know, they defend their trial line during tough periods and they, they're willing to just do it the hard way. It was a, it was a real um, experienced win, you know, just, just learning how to win games in the NRL. We're not on tonight, not everything's flowing. It's not yeah. going great for us. We've made a couple We're away errors. from home yeah. playing against a side that, you know, really wants to beat us. They're up, they're physical, they're beating us in the middle, but Penrith still found a way to win. Yep. Uh, it was... It was uh, a game that, you know, this time last year, I think they probably would have lost. And I know what their record was last year, but I don't think they were as mature as what they are this year, uh, last year, as what they are now. And, yeah, the Broncos were just great. It's almost the best game I've ever seen Matt Lodge play uh, in the NRL. He was unreal. He just took it to well, between the Panthers' middles. and Him and Haas laid a platform, that's for sure. Yeah, but ha- Haas, to me... He, he doesn't really go after you. He's not personal. He's not rough and tumble. Like, he, he gets through his work. And I'm, oh, it's certainly not a criticism. Nah. But Lodge, I thought, really made it personal and really took it to Penrith's middle. It was, it was good to see. Mm. Pungo Jr. had a better night. But again, the consistency in him that you want to see. Oates has been out of the team, come in, made a couple of big plays, a couple of tries. So things like that we just haven't seen for the Broncos. That's the biggest thing. Like you said, effort and intent in the middle, line speed effort to chase down line breaks. They didn't put their head out their ass. They just kept fighting the whole way through, which is more what we wanted to see last year, more what we want to see this year. And if you've got that, you'll be in every game every week regardless of who you're playing. The question again now is that one performance and some brought back the vision of Kevy going off in the change rooms apparently, you know, about wanting to be a Bronco and putting in every week. And if you don't want to be here, basically get the fuck out. Uh, it's good. It's the right way to that, be. But that's him. That, that's his strength as that a coach. Him up. But the question is, can you... you Be that guy. You obviously can't throw out a blow-up every week or a big fire-up every week. He so doesn't have to, but you that, that's hope. your strength. Oh, You're yeah. a club legend. Everyone respects you. Yeah. That's your guy. Do you want to be a Bronco? Yeah. Do you want to be here? Because if you don't want to be here, I don't fucking want you here. Which I completely agree with you there, but I'm more hoping that they yeah, just... Yeah, but all this, like, the other shit... You know, on Good Friday when he's trying to play fucking mind games with Bellamy. And yeah, stupid. Just can all just that. Just don't do it. Can that. Own what you do. Be, be you. You be you. Coach to your strengths. That That's his strengths. His strength is his passion. Like you see him talk about Queensland, he almost fucking cries. Mm. That's your strength. Coach to your strength. And the players, the players responded to it. It was good because he hasn't got a response pre- that round, in well, my opinion. The biggest thing to your point there, though, I hope that they take out of that and the result and the way things were and they were that close and how close they got against a premiership heavyweight, that they go, well, fuck, just by Play rolling up our sleeves and doing a little bit, that got us, you know, a long way. Yeah, and steel, sharp and steel. Just that'll beat most tough. teams in the competition, so let's do that every week. That felt much better to lose like that than to come out here and put a head up our ass or think it's too hard or just get out after 40 minutes. If they do that every week, they'll win, you know, half their games easily. They will, definitely. But whether they continue that is the question. But for the Panthers, again, Fisher-Harris, you know, even though they were challenged in the middle, pretty good. Cleary 
clutch when the time mattered. Uh, obviously, Toto, they tried to ice. They had a good plan there. A lot of people were talking about that kick more as a tactic just to isolate him in the fact of having Coates over him. I don't even think it's that. I think it's a smart play to take away your best carry. I don't want him taking the kick return on play one. I want to get him with the ball up in the air, tackle him without any momentum, the ability to get wider off the rocket, isolate and find space and get between defenders. Because I think out of the back three for Penrith, he's the one I don't want taking the second carry and being able to get that with and that opportunity. I want to bomb him, get him flat-footed and pin him down. Mm. Obviously, the aerial contest with a much bigger man is an upside, but I think taking him out, the next carry at the moment, He's coming from Crichton, who obviously is not used to doing as much work there. He hasn't played in fullback for a few years since he was a junior, who's slender and tall, someone you can get under. And Charlie Staines, who's obviously not made for yardage. So I think taking him out in the kick side of things wasn't just good from the aerial side of things, but tactically to kill their set start a little bit, mm. which had them playing from a longer field. But with a kicking game that Nathan Cleary put in for the most of the night, he did a really good job keeping him in, despite the fact they lost a lot in territory. Um, but they found a way. Night Sharks, this was a good game. We watched this. Yeah, we did. First one up there, and uh, full credit to the Sharks, like we said last week. I, I still think the decision and the way they handled it was poor, and you'd like to think they wouldn't throw the season away, but we mentioned as much at the time that there's 14 guys off contract, so as hard as things are and what's going on, there's a lot of people that want to put their best foot forward. For the most part, they were right in the game. Yeah. They were very, very good. We saw that attack on display again where they have those really nice shifts, the halves link up. Chad, uh, on the offensive side of things, in kicking game was very, very good. But uh, And him and Moylan and Kennedy, who's just been outstanding. But defensively, they were found out on both edges by Ponga. Ponga got him first half. Nakora, Townsend, out on Sharks right, Cronulla's left. And then the second half, Frizzell, him, the Brody Jones kick backwards, and Ponga, they, they benefited for two times on the opposite side of the field, picking on a younger, more inexperienced uh, Teague Wilton, who was defended next to Matt Moylan, who wasn't the best. So... Uh, at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing was right at the back end of the game when things were in the balance. Cronulla's discipline. A couple of penalties. They piggybacked Newcastle into good positions. They gave him a shot at him. And, uh, the Reds got pulled apart a couple of times, unfortunately. So after seeing Harodi score and that one go up, you're thinking, you know, they've got a whale that this is a huge win. This will be a really good confidence builder. And then a backwards kick on fifth play that ends up with Brody Jones to throw an offload and Ponga to score. Obviously, it wasn't the way they thought their night was going to go. Yeah, it ebbed and flowed this game um, probably again the Sharks should have won really uh, at one stage there I think Newcastle led um, and it, you know the lead shuffled around but you know with five to go I thought yeah you know uh, the Sharks are going to win this one a couple of dubious calls video ref decisions that sort of went their way but it was just a really good game. Went down to the end, and Pong was probably the difference, really. Like, a couple of touches from him uh, got the, the Knights over the line. It's an important win for Newcastle, really important win. And, uh, yeah, the Sharks, you, you've got to ice that. And they didn't. No, they certainly didn't, and uh, obviously disappointing away. As uh, as we said, they're in for the most part of the game, but discipline just got them at the back end. Good for Newcastle. Got smashed up the week before. Had some injuries, bit of drama. But Ponga back in. Sick and throwing up. Him and Connor Watson both crooked during the week. Played very, very well. But particular Ponga had a huge influence on the result. Frizzell, Barnett, Jones. There's a lot of good players for Newcastle. But getting a few trips back obviously helped. Newcastle. Townsend offensively and kicking wise was good. But defensively caught it. Oh, pardon me. A few times. Kennedy. Good game. And a few of those younger guys, again, filling in. Some of the changes they've had. Uh, you know, you kind of trace as well. T. Wilton defensively. But... Good game overall. There's, there was a solid effort. Let's put it that way. 
and there's still some good young guys there developing and some uh, good stuff happening. And having Talakai back obviously helped out as well. So uh, for the Sharks, I guess the big thing is just keep pushing forward. And that'll be interesting to see what plays out. As we said now, the first sort of dominoes fall and you're talking about Townsend potentially going. Talakai's just signed on. Dugan's contract, all of these contracts. Johnson made up an offer before the Morris situation. Now Fitzgibbon's there. A lot's going to happen in Cronulla in the coming weeks. Storm, Roosters, 20-4. to four. Great game. It was a good game of footy, yeah. As far as just these two almost wait for each other. First half was ugly, but it was, for the purists, it was great. Oh, I loved it. They just hate each other. They get up for each other. It doesn't seem to matter who's available, what time of the year it is, what's going on. You could watch them on a different week, like watching Melbourne last week, and think, you know, this is not really the greatest version of them against the Bulldogs. But when the Storm and the Roosters collide, they just go at each other. Sure. So from that point of view, as you said, it was great to watch them just try to bludgeon each other to death. Melbourne in the first half, ton of possession. Heaps of good ball possession inside the half, inside 20. Roosters held on. Part of that due to Melbourne being a bit clunky, but also at the same time, the Roosters have come to know in those big games, defend well, sustain their goal line, and they, they absorb that pressure. Melbourne only come away with a couple of penalty goals. There's obviously the controversy of the sin bin and that kind of moment there. Uh, Papenhausen going down with a shoulder slash, like you said, head knocked. It possibly could have been something um, that affected him long-term in the game. But coming out in the second half, when they made that change to get Harry Grant out there, he obviously played a little bit in the first half. That turned out to be the real point of difference. His influence on the game in the second half was huge. They got a lot of second phase. Christian Welch, outstanding five offloads. Nelson, the couple, really laid a platform. But Harry Grant's manipulation and the difference between him and Brandon as far as what he generates out of nine... Um, and some of the passing. The pass for Hughes when they're over thick at the ruck and there's lots of numbers to jet that pass out into space there on the money. We saw one on a set play they did earlier in the first half when he first got on where he zing one 20-plus metres, just dead set on the money, moving a um, couple of kicks in there. He's running and getting out and being able to get over the advantage line and punch holes and get in behind and bring Smith and Pappenhausen and yeah, these guys he, into the he's game. Elite. He's a He's a hell of a player, player yeah. Um, but he was massive in the second half. Pappenhausen obviously had another big night and was involved off the back of that. And Munster, despite that moment, thought he had a big game too. Yeah. Just ran the football. Lots of offloads. It was a handful. Um, I'm taking as much away from Roosters as I am Melbourne. Right? Roosters were, were pretty good, I thought. Like, I, I know they uh, were con- comprehensively beaten, but they competed. And, you know, they're not, they're not going to be far away. No, nah, and again... Particularly now they've got the majority of the year to work up these combinations and give these young players experience. So yeah, I don't think they can win the comp, but you know they're going to compete with those sides up top. Yeah, good baptism of fire for a young bloke like Walker, who obviously found yeah, out good. what it takes. And you had your typical characters, a bit more experience for some of the guys that they're bringing through in this second generation. You all these sorts of blokes that are playing. Tedesco, they basically kept out of the game for the most part, but he kept coming, found a way to set up that try. Last play of the game with a kick. Uh, Jared and Toki left the field busted, which isn't a good thing. They've been named for this week, but a few little kind of concerns there. And obviously, Radley, it's just turned out. I saw before, he's got off his charge, so he's just got a fine now. Really? So, Latrell's in now, but Radley will be clear to play this week, which I guess when you've got injury cards over those guys and Verrills, who they've named earlier than what was expected, whether he's healthy to go, it's never really good when you've got three or four injury clouds hanging over uh, your team, but... You know, with those guys to talk about Perinara, if they can stay healthy, get him possibly on board, a bit more developing a few of these guys, you know they're going to win other games. But uh, in this situation at this point in the season, Melbourne, 
We're just too good for the Roosters. Yeah. So, good win for them. Uh, Manly Titans, 36 zip. And again, people are going to take this the wrong way because we said before and one or two have already gone. thought you said Tommy wouldn't fix all their problems. Tommy wasn't the only reason they won that game. You can't just look at Tom and go, that's the sole reason they won that game. If you were there saying what we saw, in particular on the forwards, they got absolutely romped in the middle of the field. Yeah. Paseca, LAA, these kind of guys who maybe individually have played okay on certain weeks and the rest of the team hasn't come with them, were outstanding. Their yep. forward pack stomped the, the Titans and... I was looking forward to seeing Tino live. He was kept well under wraps. No forward. Forum was very good as well. Yeah, he was. I'm, I'm on that side of things. Yeah, Tommy unlocks the halves, takes some pressure off, allows to engage a little bit, helps out the ruck. But yeah, it was ignorant of the forward dominance. Yeah, it's you're completely denying that. How do you think a fullback gets those opportunities in the halves to play that sort of football? Yeah, it starts from your middles having a dig. And Paseca in particular, along with Alaya, I think individually have been good most weeks. But the joint effort of those guys on the weekend. Tap out now being pushed to the bench, thought he brought some spark. Uh, Schuster on that edge has brought another side to the combination where not only is he just so physically strong, but he's also another ball playing option. So they found a lot of love going down that edge between Schuster firing and now Tommy being back off the back of the, the platform that was laid. Mm. And they created plenty of hope. Um, Croker, when space is created for him, because he's an actual half, he's not so much a hooker, but even he looked better with that sort of roll on the platform they laid for him to get out because the strength of his game when he was coming through the grades in Australian schoolboy was his running game. So yeah. naturally, you create some space, you get one marker there. He picked up and found himself in open field a couple of times. Yeah. So again, it's not taken away from what Tom did because he had a big impact on the game and he makes a huge difference in his relief valve for those guys. But you can't just substitute that for, again, dominating the forwards, laying a platform. And what they didn't have a couple of weeks ago, again, was just effort and intent in their defense. They were aggressive, they were angry, they wanted to beat up on you guys and they did in all facets of the game. But yeah. he's obviously a huge inclusion. Of course. But, yeah, I just find it, like you said, ignorant to sit there and go, it was just Tom, Tom come back, Tom sold it. It wasn't Tom. Manly as a whole were 100% better. And very surprised to see what was dished up by the Titans from the progress that we've seen. And obviously there's been one or two losses there, but not to that extent. You've got the Raiders game where they were right in the mix and they lost their halves and lost their direction at the back end. The Warriors game, they were right in it. It was a hot day, it was a hard day, and the Warriors were probably more clinical and clean as far as errors and holding their football, but at no point, if you would have told me on the weekend, they were going to lose is one thing, but to get dusted 36 zip, get dominated in the forwards the way they did and just look a shell of what we've seen so far, like, it was poor. Yeah, it's and the worst Titans performance under Holbrook. They lose Tino for two weeks on top of that as well. I know they were belted in a few games early last year, but yeah, that was lifeless, that performance. You thought that stuff was gone under this new regime. Well, you at least thought you, would, you wouldn't see anything like that, especially the duck end. No. But the sadder part, and we saw it in the first half, the only two guys who seemed to make any sort of dent or yet, like Corey Thompson in the first half before we took off was outstanding. Yeah. He, he always has his ass and he always Every has week. a go. Kelly looked dangerous a few times, but they were relying on Peachy to basically generate almost everything as far as their halves and their movement. They were side to side without a roll on. They get nothing off the back of the platform they laid similar deal. When we talk about spine players, their halves did nothing off the back of it, couldn't do anything off the back of it. They kicked poorly. Every time they turned it over or got in a good position, they made an error or they gave away a penalty. Mm. And they were torched subsequently. And their edge defense was awful. And a lot of that came off the back of being pulled apart in the middle. You get more frantic and spaced on the edges and you get pulled apart and that's what happened. Yeah. So there's not a lot of good take out of it. And again, obviously, like I said, losing 
Tino for two weeks is going to be a big blow. Massive blow. Um, we play the Rabbitohs. Good luck. Yeah, you're heading to South, and even if Latrell doesn't get off, obviously they've got cover and ways to shuffle that. But you take Tino out of that forward pack and use for feet of the way they did, which is just basically trying to do an under-12s play off the back of nothing, it's going to be a hard day. Yeah. Um, and rightfully so. But to Manly, confidence builder last week. Tommy back in this week. A lot of guys starting to find some good football. If they can lay that platform, like we said in particular, Ally and Paseca for the halves and the nine and Tom to be the link man at the back and that relief valve for those guys and that extra option, they put themselves right back in the mix to fight for the bottom half of the eight. Mm. I'm still not looking at Manly and saying that's a premiership. Yeah, they've got to be consistent. But there's a lot more to come. And uh, who they got this week? Tigers. Tigers. So they've got a pretty good run coming up, I think, from what I looked at before their draw. Yeah, play so Broncos. So well. they might be able to string together a couple if everyone stays on the field in the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, and build and I think in there there is a, a top end game but there's three or four out of the next couple I think that are very winnable to get things sort of back on track heading into that origin period where you'd expect again they're probably going to lose a couple of players which with a team where you're already lacking depth it's not a great thing and I guess that's a point we've brought up in the past like last year when we said I didn't think Tom should play after all those injuries and he didn't but would you think Tom immediately goes back in origin contention yeah as a centre 100% so if I'm Manly, I'm still a bit irked about that. Yeah. I know it's their right to go play red football. When you put so much time into someone who's barely been on the field, um, and especially what he's been through recently, I'm not saying it's wrong, but uh, if he's healthy the whole way through, that's one thing. But, yeah, it's uh, it's obviously a big risk. But huge win by them, like we said. A lot of standout guys. Um, and even being back, obviously helps his brother. But the forward pack, excellent. Great platform, first time. Things have been really unlocked for their spine. South Tigers, bit of a shock. Again, one of these games a lot of people thought would have been a bloodbath. They were borderline lifeless the week before until it was too late in the second half to try and fight back against the Cowboys. But uh, certainly brought plenty of fight to this one. And they always seem to have very fiery clashes with the Tigers. And it panned out that way again. Yeah, it was a little bit of the Tigers bounce back, wasn't it, from the previous week at Leichhardt. And South were obviously a little bit off and got distracted. And they were very, very lucky to win this game. Very, very lucky to win this game. The uh, the Bunnies. Adam Reynolds was probably the biggest difference. Goal kicking, the two-point field goal. Uh, and, you know, the Tom Burgess, it was a fingertip, really. like That That never used to be down with pressure, but um, it's enough in the modern game. And Yeah, what a finish. It was, it, was a, it was a good, entertaining game of footy. If you didn't see the last 10 or 15, go and watch it. Um, it was great. Yeah, and obviously... What a finish, like you said, the field goal that Reynolds nailed again. Absolute corker, but very surprised he missed that goal. Like that's, yeah. that's bread and butter for him right there. I thought it's over, and he had the smirk, and then he ended up shivering it, so that wasn't exactly ideal. And then poor Madge. If you want to talk about a tortured soul, Tommy Burgess, usually everyone's panicking about the field goal. The mark, One of the markers jumped. I didn't know who it was. Left it isolated. Cook was smart enough to just drop it to Tommy, who burst through one-on-one. Two or three tried to come across cover it. He looks like he's dropped it. The ref's just frozen. Look like he's going to call time off. Then calls play on. Brooks runs the other end. At that point in time, I'm like, this is a disaster. This is an absolute disaster. Blows the try for the Tigers. And then on the replay, you just see Madge's heart break like Ralph off the Simpsons. The exact moment it happens when it goes up that Tommy Burgess did score that yeah. try. But just, oh, that's hard. Uh, again, speaking about what we spoke about before in terms of Say Luttrell, uh, another good effort or a good result, but another one of these games where the emotion comes out and he gets a little bit 
uh, off his game or a bit unfocused and he picked up a couple of charges. And yeah, he doesn't need to do it. That's the thing. It, there's other ways to show your Wasted aggression or energy. have an influence on the game, but uh, for having such an impact, uh, you, you can't be spending time on the sidelines again every couple of weeks because you buy into the emotional side of things. If you're going to have aggression, then same thing for Heathering. You want aggression in your players, but it needs to be channeled correctly. Yeah. In, in forms of the game. Like the Garner thing, he was lucky. He didn't really connect. Or I didn't see a connection, but he's very lucky. But the contrary conduct for that. The arm for Nofaluma, it's a little bit lazy, but he stuck it out there. You, again, you put yourself in that position, it's never ideal. Um, and for them in general, I guess uh, a, a bit of a reality check again. When we watch teams play some weeks, or they're expected to win, or they go into a game and someone else turns up, a bit similar to Brisbane against the Penrith, I guess. Uh, they threw the kitchen sink at them, and they got away with it because they're just winning. Yeah. Um, Tom obviously had a huge game, Latrell, like we said again, uh, and they found that moment at the back end, but for the Tigers side of things, Laurie, who's been consistent all year, and Jake Simkin, pretty good debut for the young man. I, yeah, I, I thought really it well. was very harsh to drop Little of all people, to be honest. I didn't think Little was necessarily the problem and thought that they would have gone with a, a two sort of hooker rotation, but that obviously wasn't the case. But uh, definitely a, a solid debut for the young bloke. He had a good game. Um, on the flip of that, I think just as a whole, They'd be very, very happy with what they did, but unfortunately, no result. Mm. And that's the hard part. So they're now one and five. Yeah, but it's, it's the performance you're looking for, not the result. Mm. Performance was far better. 100%. Eels, Raiders, 35-10. Uh, Canberra in the first half and between these two, great game. Very tight, scrappy, fast affair. It was frantic. They got stuck into each other, similar to the, the Storm. Roosters game, probably not to the same extent, but I definitely thought they were after each other. Uh, the worries that were there were obviously the soft way they conceded for Papali'i and Hudson Young got caught out a few times and unfortunately for them the second half uh, it just rolled on again they didn't come out of the sheds and I think the scarier part is and I've brought up the last few weeks it's one thing to look at the attack which is definitely not clicking at the moment and stick by what I said last week and the fact that I think Hodgson's the one being the biggest sticking point to stopping the halves just getting onto the ball getting a roll on and playing direct and having the option to run or pass at the moment, they're getting the ball going sideways off a flat spot or in a poorly forced sort of situation from Hodgson. Um, but also, I just think there's a lot of guys just not playing as good as they were. Like, Tapai in the first few weeks was great. He wasn't great. Papali is doing his job, and he's still effective, but I don't think he's playing quite where he was. Scott, when they had that Eels trial where they drifted across field, and Moses and had multiple passes and link up and got all the way back to the right. There's just a few guys, Nate, if you watch that video, you'd be filthy about the yeah, effort and the chase. Like, Jared, like Jared Croker, please. Not playing good footy at all. Josh Hodgson is stifling their attack. The, the fact that Jack Whiten doesn't get the ball once a, a set, set and good ball is ridiculous. Well, we saw it last year, and I'm sure we'll see it this week. Starling's in. Hodgson's going to be out for a few weeks with a calf injury. When they just laid a platform, got an early ball to both their halves. Williams and Jack are both good runners, but particularly Jack. If you just get Jack playing onto the ball off the back foot where he can attack an edge he generally gets a one-on-one every single time yeah. and whether it's run or pass he's super dangerous in that situation if you stifle pick it up mess around with the ruck throw it to him flat when a line's already up in his face nothing doing he's not a naturally creative player he's a ball runner yeah. everything comes off his running and time and space and when he gets like that he picks the generally the best option or he bursts through and you go again off the back of that and George has a good enough kicking game and enough creativity himself but also a very good runner to just build off their middle platform, which is their strength. We talked about that in the, the off-season, which is why I made them as my pick, looking at the forwards. And Gula going in and a couple of those guys coming back is a good thing. Ricky was obviously filthy. 
Um, and they've got troops, what we spoke about when we watched it on the night. Harry and Ira off the stuff up in the off-season. Horsburg guys that were heavily involved last year. Louis has been dropped. He played Origin last year. So they've got guys there to hold people to account, in particular on their forward pack. And there'll probably be a couple of guys this week. Uh, we haven't seen the lineup yet, but I think he's benched a couple. He's dropped a couple. Outside back, same deal. Tomoko is an up-and-comer. Harley Smith-Shields. There's a few guys down there. Probably not to the veteran status of Scott and a few other guys, but if you don't think people are playing well and they're doing a good job bump them in out. reserve grade, bump them out for a week or two. Yeah. But the scarier part as well, not just the clunkiness and the stifle of the attack, which we already talked about, the defensive effort was what got them to the grand final in 2018. It's something that wasn't associated with Canberra being a tough, resilient, gritty side to go along with that attack. Last year when they lost the players, they, they kept that mentality and they found a way to adjust their attack and those two guys, and particularly Jack, become dominant. But that spark defensively should be their bread and butter is not really there right now either. No. So I think for Ricky, when you've got that squad depth, you've at least got a chance there to fire a couple of bullets and try and spark some people up. So needs to happen. On the Paris side of things, I don't think Brad Arthur could be any happier. You respond that very, very sense. well on the road. You lost Brown. Smith did a good job. Gufferson stepped in to help Moses. Moses had one of his better games. Kicked up to outstanding. Ran the ball well. Papa Lee's turned out to be a corker. Like, I was very surprised the Warriors moved on from him purely because he was a guy with little background, powerlifting champion, played a year, a couple of years in rugby, not much league. He's only 22 years old, I think, still. So very raw, comes over here for next to nothing. Murata and Opacek, as we talked about a few weeks ago to me, really done a good job tightening up their centres and the defence on the edges, which has been a problem. Murata just bathed Croker all night. Anytime Croker got the ball, any sort of opportunity was all over him. Like a cheap suit. Marnie in the middle off the platform laid by those three guys we speak about every week. Brown, Paulo, RCG and what they do. Uh, a lot of good things going on at Parrot at the moment. A good development and more importantly, like we said, after a loss last week that wasn't expected against a side that's considered a finals team, yeah. uh, they bounce back in a big way on the road. So, uh, if you're Arthur and you're Parramatta. Massive. They haven't won down in Canberra for 15 years, so it's a huge result. Uh, and it's just one of those games where in front of a big crowd, away, uncomfortable conditions, they got the job done. Yep. No arguments there. Uh, Warriors-Dragons, again. I didn't think the Dragons were terrible, but when a team literally makes no errors or gives you nothing, it's going to be a hard day. Yep. And with all the changes and injuries and things they've had to put up with so far, like full credit to the Warriors. They're outstanding. Roger... He's just been next world. I know it's his last season and he's trying to leave on the best possible way, but that effort's always been there. But he was he was ridiculous. Tofu's stints yeah. were good. Um, again, sad to see Pompey get injured. I think he's starting to really show some good signs. And Hiku popped his shoulder out. But, you know, Turner coming in and playing in an unfamiliar position, I know defensively as a half or a centre, it's only one position different. But the effort just all around from all the Warriors plays. Ken Marmolo was busted the backhand 200-plus metres, 20-something carries, like, you completed 100%, give a team nothing, defend well, scrap for your line, get out of yardage and just go back and forth. Someone's going to give you something. And, and they got a few moments purely off the back of their patience and their hard work. Like Dufty misses that ball, Turner's there for it. A little bit of manipulation from Egan at dummy half and a marker jumps, Tohu crashes over. Roger late in the game, etc. Nick Arima doing well with the kicking game and just controlling things. They did nothing special, nothing fancy, but... They basically looked at themselves and thought, we got injuries, guys playing our position, we lost a couple of guys early on in duress, we're just going to complete, roll our sleeves up, do the right thing, kick, turn them around and play for the whole 80 minutes and they found a win because, like I said in the end, the Dragons didn't do a whole lot wrong bar the Dufty moment, a few errors by Curry, etc. and had a high rate themselves and went after him, but they just couldn't get the job done. 
Yeah. So, uh, I think for them, White Clune has been good. Uh, Norman obviously looked like he might have had a peck issue, but I think they've downplayed that now. And luckily, it's not. They thought they might have had a Pierce moment. If I'm a Dragons fan right now, I'm hoping that Hunt recovers very soon. And that's not to say Clune's not doing a good job, but the fact they finally started to find a little bit of spark out of him, the worst thing that could happen was to get that injury. You wanted to see that take off again. And for a guy like Dufty again, who comes out and it's like, I still haven't been offered a contract. It's like those moments like that on the weekend, you come up with an awesome try, but just a shit moment where he had time to get that ball with two hands or kick it dead or do something. He tried to fall on it with one hand. Like, that's the difference. Your, your one moment of brilliance was undone by yeah. one moment of just complete... And that's, that's where they've... That's why they're sitting that's there. That's where they are, yeah. Going, well, for those moments of brilliance or that cutout pass to Ravalawa who dives in the corner, not great in yardage, not a big body, not great under the high ball. Like, we take so many pods in attack, but... And this is the Dragons. You're going to get... That's the question. They're learning how to get back to that winning type of football. So you're going to get these little blips and oh. they're going to happen all year. And again, they were still good But you moments. just want full of effort... Uh, they were in the game. They competed. Yeah. So that, that's all you can ask as Dragons fans, particularly after you think about how they started the year and what the Charity Shield looked like. Yeah. I mean, they're, um, they're leaps and bounds ahead of, of where they were then. 100%. And seeing guys get back to good form, like we said before, and it seems a lot of guys that have come off injuries or didn't have the best years, playing good footy. McCarty comes in, playing yep. good footy. Bird, healthy, busting tackles, has that attitude. Lomax... Ravalar was playing good football. Like, again, I think it was more errors from a few guys that are younger or have an error in. Like Ramsey had a couple of drops. Curtis had a couple of clean drops before he even got into the line. I still don't know if the edge is his best position, but I can see where Griffin's coming from with what he's got there. Yeah, He doesn't have a lot of options, and I'm looking at a man mountain like that is actually quite mobile, thinking, well, why defensively it may be a bit of a risk. He, he can really create some damage, but you can't drop balls before you even get in the line, especially a man that size. His hands are the size but he catches me. Yeah. You've got to get the footy. He had two or three pre-line without contact that he juggled or spilt. Um, so, yeah. Hunt is named this week, I think I saw earlier. Wow. Which is interesting. But, again, I wouldn't be rolling him out there if it's you know, a chance of an reoccurrence or it's not completely... Yeah, I don't think like, they will. Clearly, he must be close, which would be a big thing for them. But, uh, like I said, for the Warriors, great result. In the last game of the round... Uh, this was ordinary in all honesty Cowboys dogs 30 to 18 yeah it's one of the worst games I've seen all year I think what was even crazier first again, half in particular when Hetherington gets sent off I think they're just going to run away with it the dogs actually probably ease up a little bit themselves the stress disappears the halves get onto the ball play a bit more direct they found some points yeah they did they looked like all the pressure was off once they didn't have 13 and it looked like they had no chance of winning the game and sadder for the Cowboys you got an extra man and you couldn't defend a couple of those plays. But you're trying to win a, the Bulldogs are trying to win a gunfight with rubber bullets at the moment. They've got to find a different way. They don't have the cattle that everyone else has and they, they can't play that same style. They've got to find their own style. What suits the players that they've got? And you know, I think they'll that'll go a long way to finding some wins for them. Because they, they look to just be trying to play a certain way and it's just not working for them at the moment. No. Um and again Talked many of them talked about it live, and I think Brandy basically brought like he's saying, regardless of the role and what they're doing, like the halves just don't engage at all. And we saw some flashes at the back end of last week from Avril, and we saw yeah, some but flashes they're not, again they're there. Not, but they're not digging and engaging because they don't have the, they don't have the forwards going forward. Going for. back to what we talked about before, when you don't have a platform and you're getting the ball under pressure or flat when a team's coming forward, it's always hard to dig in the line or yeah. have time and space to play. So, I mean, 
you know, there's still effort from a lot of guys there. I think all you can do for them is just keep rolling guys in and out, try and keep them up. I still think it's going to be a long year and try and get the best out of what you got. But the biggest thing is what we spoke about. Coming into the year, they made some good signings in the back line, Stocks and Burton out of car going forward. It's forwards and a hooker. Yeah. Because the front end right now is not good enough. And there's a lot of guys there uh, that obviously won't be there at the end of the year, which is no surprise. And for the one or two positives, like a Jackson or an Elliott, you still need a lot more than what they've got. Yeah, uh, and right. nine's obviously, like we said, enough critical piece and an underrated position. And when, when Burton gets there, where Avarillo ends up, I don't know. Dallin's had a massive game on the weekend, but I honestly think someone like an Avarillo, I still look at and think whether it's centre, fullback, if he's not going to be in the halves with Burton and Fleming, I just think he's somewhere in that team. Yeah. Um, but Dallin was excellent. I thought he was one guy that really stood out for the Bulldogs. Um, Thompson being back obviously makes a bit of a difference down the middle. Elliot was solid, but. For the Cowboys, Holmes had one of his better games, build nicely. Young Condon's good yeah, for a good. baby. and Still got plenty of years left in front. I'm pretty sure he's only 19. Crashed over a couple of times, showing some signs. Robson had one of his best games. Molo sparked up after being dropped to the bench, had a good game. Granville had a bit of a spark. But again, you look at a few of the guys that haven't had games like Granville in a while and who he played against and what, it's probably a bit of a false dawn, really. Um, but if you Todd Payton... Two wins after a rough start, but you look at the back end of that game and going, wow, we had 12 men and we got in a position where we, were, we conceded twice. And it took Dunn drifting across field, knocking a few blokes over to, you know, kind of take the air out of the balloon finally. So still plenty to work on for the Cowboys, but uh, interesting, like we said, talking earlier about some of the signings and moves they're trying to make with the departure of Morgan, Clifford, Eminent, and the drink water situation. But um, yeah, they're just one, I guess, similar deal. As the year goes on, it'll be interesting to see how they develop and how they hold up and tell him, well, busting his other hand is crazy to think you could fracture both hands in a couple of weeks. Hmm. Unless he's in the garage punching brick walls and we don't know about it because he's not happy. Um, someone that they'd definitely like to have on the field right now, that's yeah. for sure, after the troops they've lost. But there you go. That wraps up the reviews of the rounds. Uh, jumping into tips, previews and some betting. Charity bet, we got one. Yeah, mate. We missed the first few games, then we remembered on the drive home, we spoke about it. You chucked up Georgie Williams, so we chucked it on, and he crashed over at $4.33. So take the bonus bet out from our wonderful supporters of Bluebet of our charity account. Uh, we got a win, 166.50. So good on you, Boxhead. Good pick. Yeah, it's good. Georgie there. And like we said, charity account with Bluebet, there is no one better. They're a true blue. Aussie bookmaker, get on to the website www.bluebet.com.au or download the app, which is how all of us generally punt on your mobile phone. Get the Bluebet app, support Bluebet because they support us. And again, for charity, good times. Mm. So everyone's got multiple accounts, you can get one more. Bluebet.com.au, download the app today. Let's get in uh, to some of these tips. And last week, not the greatest round for yourself or me, we both got four gossip and roast, six. So they've dragged themselves well back into contention. Gossip's now on top, 35. Yourself and the Roaster on 34. And I'm now scot-free last on me Pat Malone at 33. Mm. It's, uh, what have we got here for the first game? I've got open still the window here for Radley, Latrell, Momorowski. Two of them are done. They've just wrapped up at 10.30. So the panel's about to go on and make a decision about Latrell Mitchell's charge. Mm. So we'll find out whether he can get himself uh, off that one or what the goal is going to be but Thursday night football the Panthers up against the Newcastle Knights out here at Bluebet Stadium like our sponsor 
or sorry, so our charity sponsor on that side of things. And the Panthers are known the same squad which won last week, but in the extended squad, two names that would be very good for all Panthers fans and those to see. Dylan Edwards and Arpi Coruscant. No doubt they won't be rushed back in, but they're probably a week or two earlier than what most people expected. Yeah, right. So keep your eyes on that. And for the night time, Hunt suffered a hamstring strain, so he's out. He's replaced by Stafford Toa. Other than that, it is the same lineup uh, as far as the things are concerned for the Newcastle Knights. I think last week obviously would have been great confidence-wise, but Penrith, scrappy performance, find a way to win. Head back home. Uh, I have no doubts that they will spring back into better form this week and, and have a win at, at Blue Bet Stadium. Oh, yeah. So we're both on board with the pennies. Just got to get some odds up here. And Blue Bet have $1.11 on the Penrith Panthers, six fifty about the Newcastle Knights. And the line in this one is minus 16.5 for the Newcastle Knights. The early Friday game, the Titans up against South Sydney. Going to be a hard one up there on the Gold Coast. Tino suspended for two weeks, moves out of the lineup. Mo Fotuaka starts in the front row. Sam McIntyre comes in for his Titans debut, I'm pretty sure. On the bench, Anthony Don returns from a hip injury. Jonas Pearson drops to the reserves. And Philip Semi is also among the reserves after missing a game to a head knock. So wait to see if he is a late inclusion. Latrell Mitchell... In right now, the judiciary. So, right now, I think he's going to get suspended regardless. He's seeking a downgrade. Johnston moves to fullback. Jackson Paulo comes back on the wing with Mansour obviously out injured. And Dane Gagai moves from the centres to the wing because of that. So, Masters can come in for his first action of the year in the centres. Jacob Host is out of the side. Keon Kolomatungi back starts in the back row. Uh, Tino out is obviously a huge blow for that forward pack. You definitely want to see a lot more spirit than last week. Latrell's a big out for South, but Colin Matengi back in and the reshuffle of the players they've got, uh, you'd still think South Sydney, wouldn't you? Yeah. As far as... Uh, Titans are going to... They've lost my trust, the Titans, hmm. after last week. You'd definitely expect to see more, surely. Consistency. Yeah. But 36 block. I don't care about a result. I care no. about performance. 100%. Uh, and with Blue Bet this week, they're a $2.80 outsider. A dollar forty-three are South Sydney, so I think it's a bit of value in all honesty, even without the troll there, um, with Tino missing. But line minus six and a half up there on the Gold Coast, so see how that one plays out with Blue Bet and the odds you've got there. The Friday night game up in Darwin, TIO Stadium, Parramatta Eels up against the Brisbane Broncos. Great clash in round one where they were run down, but after last week's performance, hopefully they can bounce back and show more of what we saw. But for the Eels, Dylan Brown returns from suspension. So Will Smith moves to the bench. Keegan Hipgrave goes to the reserves. Ryan Madison was a late withdrawal again, still working through these concussion symptoms. They're talking now that after having a few weeks off that when he does come good, he'll probably have to spend a week or two on cup, which with the players they've got right now, they can obviously do that. But um, yeah, if an extended break, it's hard to just jump back into first grade. Yeah. So interesting to see what happens there. And another interesting thing is on the bench, there was the debutant last week, Wiriam McGregor. They got down from the Cowboys, the big boy. But uh, I think they had earlier. I don't know. They've moved me out now. Earlier, I thought that someone said that William Panasini was named on the bench, which I found interesting. I was thinking there might have been a reshuffle, but that's not the case. Uh, Broncos, though. Herbie Farnworth returns from an injury in the centers. Danny Levi, who they obviously signed this week, comes straight into the site onto the bench. So looking for a rotation there, obviously, in the hooker situation. Uh, other than that, 
similar side to last week. And uh, some good news today, they think Katoni Staggs is a week or two ahead of schedule. So possibly get him back in the next week or two as compared to, say, around 12 or 13, what they're looking at. But the odds of blue bet for this one, $1.18 other of Parramatta Eels, $4.80 outsider are the Brisbane Broncos. Minus 13 and a half is the line. And unfortunately, uh, as much as I hope that they put in the same sort of effort and they showed round one, they can certainly challenge the Broncos. I don't think the Eels will be going in as lightly, I'd like to say, as they did last time. So Para. Both on Parramatta and that one with blue bet. Doggy Sharkies kick off the action on Saturday. Only two games with the Anzac Day uh, fixtures this weekend. There's three on Sunday. And for the Sharks... Sean Johnson is back from his Achilles injury. He's on the bench. So interesting to see how they use him. Will Chambers also listed among the reserves. Josh Dugan returns in the centers after missing last week with a head knock. Teague Wilton goes back to the second row. Jack Williams back to the bench. And Wade Graham still out with those concussion symptoms. Aiden Tolman took an early guilty plea for a crusher. He's out. For the Bulldogs, Napa and Thompson are the new props with Hetherington out, suspended, and ran off for Tony. Moving back to the bench, Chris Smith has been promoted. To the back row, Jackson DePine's out with bone bruising. Off a hickey, Ogden has been dropped. And three new faces come in. Brad Dietz, the hooker, over. Simon Afanai, the big front row. He was enormous for us on the weekend. Mate, he's been big since he's been back. Surprised it doesn't happen Dietz, he had a, a good game as well. So it's good to see those guys getting rewarded. Yep, and Matt Dory uh, is up as well. Lock and Lewis is in the reserves. Hasn't played for a couple of rounds. He hasn't rounds played since Good Friday. Since that concussion in round four. But he's near a return, so... Uh, might be some late changes there, but unfortunately, I, I don't think it's going to be enough for the dogs. No. It's Especially with what the Sharks throw up in attack. I think they'll uh, definitely pose some questions for the Bulldogs side of things. And Blue Bet agrees the Sharks are $1.16, 525 Are the dogs minus 14 and a half is the line there. The Raiders, they need a response. They have to go up to North Queensland to play the Cowboys in the back of two wins. And with that, there's no changes for the team that won last week. Tamalolo, as they said, another injury. They're hoping he can be back by a round eight, but obviously something you can't rush. For the Raiders, Hodgson, as we spoke about earlier, is injured now. He's going to miss two to three weeks. Tommy Starling comes straight in to start at dummy half, and there's a number of changes after last week. Josh Papali and Joseph Tapine have been dropped back to the bench and reserves respectively, with Ryan James returning starting prop after missing a week. Ryan Sutton sliding back from the front row to lock, and Emre Gula from the bench last week to starting in the front row with James. Harawira, Naira, and Horsberger on the bench for their first game of the year, and CSO Ayala drops from the interchange to the reserves. Sebastian Chris on the wing for Bailey Simonson, who failed a HIA, so certainly didn't hold back. To Pine, who was red hot the first few weeks, out of the side, into the reserves. Mm. And you've got Soliolo, who's been there uh, solid, into the reserves, and I see Tomoko's name there. So I'm not sure about Curtis Scott, who seems to have avoided the act at this stage, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, with Seb Chris's form and coming in for Simonson, I thought he would have maybe got that spot over the top. But, you know, if you pulled a late one there to get Tomoko on, Gula was good last week. James has been good before the injury. So definitely uh, pulling no punches there, Ricky. No, he's not. I think they'll get a response. I'll go with the Raiders. And yeah, a, me too. And a big reason why, not only just the changes in the middle, but with Starling there, you know, it's going to happen now in the halves. If they do get any sort of ascendancy or platform, he'll either run if there's space or he'll play early to those edges and just get those guys moving on to the football. And I think this would be a good week for Jack White. Yeah, will be. So good signs, like we said, from the Cowboys, but I think this will be uh, an upside for the Canberra Raiders as well. And Blue Bet agrees they're a $1.28 favourite 
365 for the Cowboys, minus 9.5 is the line there. And the first of three games on Anzac Day on Sunday, the West Tigers up against the Manly Seagulls. Uh, in the past, they've had one up at Brisbane, Melbourne and Sydney the last few years, haven't they? No, Anzac Day. Yeah. Traditionally, it is been a few years Roosters, there. Dragons and Melbourne yeah, Warriors. Yeah, but I think we had a few years there where we had Brisbane South, didn't we, or someone else play? I thought they had one in every state. There was one year there where we had every game on Anzac Day. There you go. Started at 12, I think. But for the Tigers, Michael Chikan moves into the centres with Asu Kapoa now out with tearing his ACL. Leilua Headnock returning after missing a week to take Chikan's spot in the reserves. Alex Safarf moves from the reserves to the bench to swap with Thomas McKayley. Desi Hasler, no surprise, names the same 17 that won last week. And Curtis Siren and a few other guys still uh, sidelined yet to be clarified when they'll be coming back. With what you saw last week, you know, great spirit by the Tigers, but crushing blow to lose that game. For Manly, I think they'll be looking to build on that sort of form. Uh, interested to see Simkin go around again and, uh, you know, Cheekham coming to the centres there instead. Of, maybe there's a late change there that gets him back to the bench or he goes. With Leilua again, I, I I wouldn't be bringing Joey back in. That's just yeah. me, but um, I don't know what to make of the Tigers, but what Manly did last week was certainly no fluke, and they'll be looking to build on it, so I'll stick with Manly. I mean, uh, it's the Tigers. But they've had some close contests, these two, in the last couple of years, so. 2015, Anzac Day, five games. On Anzac Day. Yep. There you go. Five games on Anzac Day. Well, we're split on that one, and Blue Bet... Have this one a bit closer than some of the other games. A dollar fifty-one favorite are the Manly Seagulls. The West Tigers uh, two fifty-five minus five and a half is the line there, and it is a day that obviously brings out a lot of emotion. So expect sparks to fly, and these two have had some good clashes yeah, the last few years huge. as well. So I love this weekend. Uh, oh, it's a corker. I've, had, I've been to a few belters the last few years going to watch Warney play in the Dragons game, especially the other year. I think it went to Golden Point. Dugan was playing for the Dragons, kicked a field goal to get it there. That was a crazy day. Yeah, so, and we've been to Melbourne a few times. There was the rain stoppage and the Pierce field goal as well. Yeah, there's been some crazy ones, that's for sure. And speaking about that traditional clash, the Roosters up against the Dragons at the SCG. Brett Morris pulled out last week. He's named this week, but it's one of these ones again that you have to keep your eye on. It. There's no guarantee. Ikevalu's back to the reserves, but said to cover. Verrills was supposed to be back for a few weeks. He's been named again. It's no guarantee. It pushes Maskey back to the bench and Kieran out of the squad, but um, he's no guarantee to play. Radley's now been cleared, so that obviously brings him back in to the lineup. Another option there if they do have a late reshuffle. Jared Rehar grabs his shoulder, and Tokiaho, I think they said he busted a rib last week. Both failed, but have been named to play in this game. So it's a bit touch and go when you've got that many question marks, but in the reserves, Fletcher Baker, Ikevalu, Egan Butcher, and Tukuhau Tapua. Uh, I'm sure they won't want to make any late changes, but there's a high possibility there might be one or two for the Roosters, mm. which is a hard situation to be in. On the Dragon side of things, Blake Laurie's back after missing last week, and he's been excellent to start the season. That punts Trent Marin out of the side completely. Corey Norman's been named despite hurting his shoulder, and Ben Hunt's obviously amongst the reserves, so he's close to a return there. And also realised Billy Burns, after uh, having a week in cup, is in the reserves in the 18. And Jordan Pereira is also on the reserves in Jersey 20, which makes me think with his form and what he's been doing. They like Ramsey, and he's a good finisher, but I guess if the errors persist, which he's got one or two in him, they might go back to uh, an older, more steady head with a bit more in yardage. But um, Ben Hunt's the big one, I guess, there. But I think this is a hard game to tip. 
because when you've got these question marks over a team like the Roosters and, and a day like this where I'm sure, again, we, we generally get a good clash regardless how both teams are doing. It's yeah, not, I'm, I'm going to go with the Dragons. I just think they're healthier. Yeah. I'm, They've got I'm more to play for. Doing in, the same you know, thing. I just think they're, they're going to be right up for this. I think if the Roosters have all those guys and Hunt doesn't play and they are 100% or close to 100%, I would go the Roosters. But I just don't like knowing that, like I said, Verrills is a few weeks early. Two guys that couldn't finish the game last week might have to be needled or still busted up. Like it's, it's a lot to go into a game when you're already down troops and have three or four guys on a dress. And if they get hurt during the game, then you're under massive pressure. And looking at who they've got named there as the reserves because they are so short, besides Ikevalo, I don't think they'll want to be reaching for a couple of those guys to come in and play in that side, especially with Tokiaho and, and Jared Ray Hargraves. They don't have a lot there right now to bring in onto the bench if one of those two guys goes out of the side. The Roosters have won three of the last four Anzac Day Cups as well, so they're going to be right up for it, the 100%. Dragons. And in the odds, they're outsiders, the Dragons. With Blue Bet, they're $2.40 if you like the value. Dollar fifty-seven are the Roosters. Minus six is the line. Always a great game. Get out uh, to a dawn service to RSL clubs. Honor those men and women who have served the country. And days like this, games like this, they're excellent occasions. Yeah, they're great to attend and uh, appreciate the freedoms that we've got for the sacrifices that those have made in the past for us. And the last one to wrap it up down there in Melbourne, another traditional Anzac Day game, or it's become uh, over time, is uh, the Storm up against the Warriors and. Massive blow for Melbourne. Pappenhausen, as I said, out with the AC joint. It's going to be two to four weeks. Nico Hines is promoted to take the number one jersey. Dale Finucane, named for the first time after being out for an extended period with that calf injury. Uh, he moves in for his first game this year. Trent Laurier and Riley Jacks replace Chris Lewis and Branko Lee in the reserves. Cooper Johns and Jack Howarth both recently came back from injury in the Intrust Super Cup. And uh, Max King is nearing a turn from his Achilles injury. So Melbourne have lost a couple of players the last few weeks, but a few more close to a return. For the Warriors, the blows just keep going. Peter Hickey dislocated his shoulder, and Adam Pompey had a bad ankle injury, have caused a backline reshuffle. Fussy Tour is supposed to return on the wing. Marcelo Montoya moves to the centres, and Jack Murchie has had to go in for cover with the injuries they've got. Bailey Sirin returns from a shoulder injury to the bench while Paul Turner, who went in for Hickey last week, is now out with a shoulder injury. So when it rains, it pulls as far <laughs> as injuries are concerned. And Reese Walsh, as I said, he's among the reserves. He could come in contention late. And looking at, you know, having Murchie there in the centres, they might opt to move Fussy Tua in and get Walsh on a wing or Rocco Berry. He's a fullback centre winger. He's another young guy they got wraps on. But looking at where they're at right now, all their extended reserves... Kids. Tom Arlo's played one game as a prop. Berry's flag eligible, I'm pretty sure. Center wing a fullback. Walsh is one year out of Australian schoolboys who they've just got over from Brisbane. And Tanya Otacolo was a kid we watched on video just before COVID hit when we were about to play the Warriors in New Zealand at gun number nine. So he's had a whole year off because of COVID. And he's obviously gone into the bubble and straight into the first grade squad as a young nine. So mm. uh, we'll definitely see him in the future at some time. But uh, the injury bug is certainly a bit hard. On the Warriors, that's for sure. So, uh, even with Pappenhausen being out, the fact this is down in Melbourne, Melbourne's got a lot more stability. Grant back, the dual nines and their forward pack, and obviously a lot less going on. You'd have to think Melbourne. Storm. But I'm sure the Warriors will give a good account of themselves. They have, regardless of uh, troops so far this season. And the odds with Blue Bet, $1.13 favourite are the Melbourne Storm, $6 for the New Zealand Warriors, minus 14.5 is uh, the line with the bookies there at Blue Bet. And again, Big thank you to Bluebet for supporting our charity account and our charity for this year. B 
bears of hope. A win finally last week after the first two weeks, $166.50 in the kitty. Hopefully plenty more wins to come boxing. Hope so, mate. Is there anything that takes your eye? Uh, I like the Dragons. So if that's, you know, an option there at 240. The Dragons side of things. The Melbourne Storm Warriors game's a bit wide. Tigers Manly's a bit wide. Raiders at a dollar thirty. It's not terrible, but again, I think South's not bad value at a dollar forty-three. But uh, we'll have to have a look, I guess, later in the week. Yeah. As things get closer and more things get confirmed, but I'm maybe with you. Two forty doesn't seem too bad for that clash with a few clouds over some guys' heads. But we'll come up with something, and hopefully, like we said, keep the ball rolling for Bears of Hope. So a big thank you again to BlueBet.com.au. Get on the website, bet with BlueBet today, or download the app. True Blue, 100% Aussie bookie. Thanks to them. Thanks to Penrith Solar Center. And most importantly, the reason we do this show every week, thank you to you, the listener out there, who tunes in every week and listens to us gibber about rugby league. Just a couple of guys with big, thick, calcified melons who like talking about the game. And it wouldn't happen without you, the fans. The answer is a pineapple if you haven't got onto ACAST yet, get on board. Thank you for taking us on board. That platform, iTunes, rate, review. The reviews have slowed down. Come on, people. It takes five seconds if you've got the iTunes out. Hop on. Chuck us a five-star. Hashtag think, talk the potter. If you think the show shit, I don't know why you're listening, then give us a one-star. Do what you got to do, but write a review. Wrap the show up. Feel free to message again around work and kids and family and everything else. We get back when we can. We're not always the quickest to respond and... Absolutely loving their discussion page. You've got to post that up again, but everyone in there gets some pretty good discussion. Yep. And for the most part, people uh, do the right thing and don't attack each other and get triggered on the keyboard. They keep it pretty mm. straightforward, so that's always good to see. Yeah. But as I say, as always, this uh, we love talking footy and we would regardless, but there's nothing better than having people out there that actually like listen to us dribble about rugby league and support the show. So thank you again. You're the most important person to us. Yeah. So. And I haven't eaten dinner, and it's 11 o'clock, so... Excellent. And I've got to get up at 5 a.m. for work. How good. For the fans. Tuesday! And while we're on the air, interesting development. We stopped recording for a bit there, because I had two random transactions pop up. I've been skimmed. Some bloke has taken it upon himself to be a premiership skinner. He's got my card. They've taken it to Bado Bay. If anyone down there in Bado Bay is a listener, and you see someone running around with a card with my name on it, feel free to jug punch them. Yeah, it's fucking low act. Oh, I just, I know with technology now and scanning and when you stick it in fucking yeah, but an ATM or this stuff, yeah. someone's like gone to the effort. But like, like when it. you got random transactions popping up from fucking a completely different spot at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, the absolute feces of society. Anyone and and the worst part is when we stopped recording, I tried to call Combank and they go, we've got a 30 minute wait. I'm like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, no it, It's late at night. I'm just looking for someone to sort my card out. Someone's taking me hard earned. Pissing it up the wall rather than just doing what the rest of us are doing and earning a quid. Yeah. You're fucking low life. So there you go. Good times. End on a high note. <laughs> For everybody out there, like we said, uh, Anzac Day weekend, get out there, Dawn Services, RSL clubs. Uh, big thank you to those that have served the country and give us the freedoms we've got today. And uh, for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 